those St. Anson yeah, Copel, yeah. and St. Anson Kaufman. Yeah, and Kaufman. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, uh, two St. Joseph's. There's St. Joseph's in uh, Commerce. And then St. Joseph. Uh, well, you've, you've learned uh, the diocese well. Uh, uh, yeah, and then Richardson as well. In fact, Father Jason Cargill was here just yeah. recently. I think there are two Immaculate Conceptions, too. Corpus Christi. No, one in uh, yeah, Corsicana yeah, cool. and Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah, boy, that that that's good. Yeah, they they should. I think I've always said there should be a rule. You could you can't use the same name for a parish. You know, if it's already taken, kind of like naming both your kids the same name, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, and then there are two St. Patrick's too. Yeah, yeah. The one Den- in Dallas, Denison and, and Dallas. Dennison, yeah. yeah, boy, this would be like like parish trivia. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Father, um, you grew up in Cameroon. Yep. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and you, uh, as I mentioned, ordained June fifth of twenty twenty one. You've been yeah. a priest as of this recording for uh, almost ten, 10 months. months. Yeah. yeah, let's uh, before we get to life as a priest and how it's been the, for ten months for you now. Tell us a little bit about growing up. Remind those who didn't, maybe those who didn't hear the first interview, about growing up in Cameroon and you know life and how how you got here to America. Oh well, thank you, Dave. Um, I mean, I. My dad is Presbyterian. Okay. No, but my mother's family is the Catholic of, of, of the bunch. Uh, and uh, I think it was about 10, 10, went to a Catholic boarding school. Okay. You know. And your I, dad didn't mind that, obviously. No, no. Okay. My mom was kind of in charge of my education. Yeah. Yeah. So I went to Catholic boarding school, um, graduated, finished high school, St. Joseph's College, Sasse. Uh, that's where I finished. And then... Uh, and then I moved here shortly after my mom passed. Okay. Yeah. And you know, the thing about this, the schools I went to, Sacred Heart and St. Joseph's College, uh, they are schools with very huge alumni bases all around the world. Yeah. In, in fact, uh, right here in Dallas, this summer, uh, May, Memorial Day weekend, one of my alumni associations is called uh, SOBA, S-O-B-A, yeah, uh, Soba America. We're having a convention. Oh right, okay. uh, here in in here in Dallas. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so your mom passed away. You say you moved here. You make it sound so simple. You can't just jump, hop on a plane and go to America. <laughs> no, you <laughs> can't. How did that work well, out? Well, she had uh, she she was sick for a while. Yeah, and so she had put in place processes. She had set in set in motion. Okay, certain things that was going to happen. Uh, after she died. Yeah. So she's, she sounds like a very organized woman. Oh, yeah, she was. And part of this was we're kicking Desmond out yeah. of the country. <laughs> so basically, she had her sister who lives okay. here. So most of my mom's sisters live in Plano. Yeah. Yeah. So she had her sisters uh, who were out here kind of like said they would take responsibility. Okay. Even, okay. When, even though my dad was there, but I think my mom was worried about how my dad was going to be faring. Yeah. After right, her death. Right, right. Are so, you an only child? Yes. Okay. So she wanted to make provisions. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, I got adopted by my aunt immediately, shortly, shortly before my mom died. And how old were you? I was 16. 16, okay. So, wow, middle of your teenage years, you moved to America, a new yeah. country. Yeah. And you're living in Plano? Yeah. And where'd you go to school? I went to the University of the Incarnate Word. Okay. In San Antonio. Okay. Yeah. Then I left there and then went to seminary. Okay. And, and have you always wanted to be a priest? Oh, no. I always wanted to be a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be a canon lawyer, right? Well, I always knew I was going to do one or two things. I was either going to be a priest or I was going to be a lawyer. Okay. You know, and uh, and so even like all through college, the organizations I joined, you know, being in a, being in a fraternity, Lambda Chi Alpha, 
or be working for the Office of Development, Admissions, and uh, joining the uh, professional associations. Yeah. Um, was all geared towards, uh, or being a student government, yeah. was all geared towards being a priest or going to be a lawyer. Yeah. What appealed to you about being an attorney, uh, a lawyer? Oh, I love debate. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I enjoy reading. Yeah. And I enjoy history. And I enjoy having a good debate yeah. about whatever topic. Yeah, but yeah, but in, as a as a priest, you can debate quite often, huh? I mean, you can debate Protestants, you can debate you, your own parishioners, probably sometimes, right? But you have to be nice about it. <laughs> <laughs> as a lawyer, you don't yeah, have to be so to be nice. nice. Yeah, but as a priest, you have to be nice. Now, would canon law be something that would be be of interest to you, or is that something you could learn, or have you studied canon law at all? No, I mean, well, you do some some degree of canon law at uh, at seminary. You know, I mean. Every priest has to know something yeah. about canon law. But at the end of the day, I guess it's, um, I think I have my hands full at the parish right yeah. now yeah. To, to, to think that far ahead. So you went to Holy Trinity yeah. Seminary, no, right? No, oh, no, I did not. Where? where, where? Uh, Notre Dame in oh. New Orleans. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so I went to seminary. It's a great seminary, I think. It's the second largest seminary in the United States. Now, how did that work out? Because of most of the Dallas Diocese priests, and you're a diocesan priest, yes. you're not Redemptor's Mater, no. and then most of them go, uh, I thought all of them went to Holy Trinity. Oh, for college, seminary, yeah. if you go to college, seminary. Yeah. Uh, but the diocese also uses um, St. Benedict Seminary okay. out in, in Covington, Louisiana for college. But right now, our diocese uses um, Notre Dame. Most of our guys are at Notre Dame Seminary in New Orleans for okay. theology. We have uh, a few in Rome, and then we have a few in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Well, you explain why you wanted to be a lawyer. Why did you want to be a priest? You know, towards the end of my senior year of college, uh, it was just one of those things where you're like, okay, what next? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and also growing up, being an altar server and... Uh, being involved in parish life in all the other ministries and all of those stuff, it, all, it just it just begins to dawn on you the whole idea of of service. Yeah, you know, being there for people, um, growing up and seeing the priest being there for people. You know, yeah. in times of joy, in times of sadness, uh, laughter and tears, sharing all of that with people, and you become you become this person in people's lives where you get to see, in most cases, the whole picture. Yeah, yeah, you know. And, and just learning to just be with people and, and shedding yourself of your own prejudices, shedding yourself of your own preconceptions and just sitting with people in their messes. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's until we sit with people in their messes, be with them in their shoes, yeah. then can we really invite them to something better? Right. And, and that is what Christ does. You know, Christ meets us where we are, but Christ never leaves us where we are. He meets us where we are. He sits with us where we are in whatever messes we find ourselves in. Only by sitting in with us does he now invite us to something better. And that is really why it was necessary for the Son of, the son of God to come down and take human form yeah. to lead us to our salvation. Yeah, and I think that's uh, one of the great things about the celebrate priesthood is that as a single celebrate priest, you've got a lot of time to do this. You know, you don't have a family of your own. I can only imagine if I had to take care of a parish with my own responsibilities of a, of a wife and kids. Right. I mean, it's just like, no, there's no, I don't have any time to do anything these days, you know, but that's my vocation, you know? Yeah, right. Uh, right. Let me ask you one more question uh, before we get into your life at St. Michael's. Uh, your Presbyterian father back in Cameroon, how did he take the news of you becoming a Catholic priest? Oh, he's happy about it because he always knew 
my mom was how would have liked it. Yeah. And and uh, he always he says, "Well, I'm not Catholic. Why? How can you be asking me about Catholic things?" <laughs> you know. And of course, uh, there was a whole grandchildren issue, but. He has two other kids from a previous relationship. Okay. So I'm sure they have that grandchildren thing covered. My mom is no longer alive, so I don't have to worry about her worrying about grandchildren. <laughs> yeah, and the aunt is uh, happy, and uh, she still lives in this area, the one yes, raised yes, you? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. She lives in Plano. All right, so uh, you, you ordained uh, June 2021. Uh, uh, Bishop Burns sends you to a, a big parish. Oh, uh, a parish and a half. Oh, yeah, you also have a, a quasi-parish. Yeah, in, Holy, in Van Osten, Holy Family in Van Osten. Yeah, so tell us, how, how, do, you, how do you split your time between the two? And, uh, <laughs> what, what, what's your, what's your you know, kind of a, a typical week like? It is, a, it is an interesting uh, dynamic. So uh, my pastor at St. Michael, Father Jed Garcia, what he and I does is we alternate weekends, right? So, for example, this coming weekend, I'll, be at, I'll do the Masses at Holy Family, yeah, and then he would do St. Michael's. Okay. And then the following weekend we switch. But there's a lot more masses at St. Michael's than Holy Family, aren't we there? We have seven masses at St. Michael's and two at Holy Family. You have to do all seven? No. Oh, so okay. I would take two at St. Michael's. Yeah. At two at Holy Family. Okay. Then then he would do five. Okay. Then okay. the next weekend we switch. He does two at Holy Family, two at St. Michael, and I do five. Okay. And some of those are Spanish. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, well, what's the what's the community like in Van Alstine? Is that a real small? Oh small yeah, it's church? a small community. It's an awesome community. Yeah, right. Yeah, kind of kind of farming community. Is that what no, it is? No, just a lot of people are moving to the area. Yeah, um, and so you have a lot of young families moving to the area, and a lot of parishioners who have been there for a while, and and it's just. I just love going to Holy Family. Like everybody is singing, everybody's responding. Uh, it's just like small church feel. Uh, man, it's awesome. I love yeah, it out there. Yeah, Father Desmond Nedicum is my guest, uh, Procure Vicar at St. Michael the Archangel Parish in McKinney. As he mentioned, Father Jet Garcia is uh, the administrator, pastor. I'm not sure exactly what the title is. So administrator. Uh, all right. So St. Michael's. You know, I've actually never been there. I've never. I've never been inside St. Michael's Church. I've, I've been to St. Gabriel a number of times, but now I, I need to get out there and, and, and visit. But uh, vibrant life. What's going on at the parish? Uh, what are things like? Uh, kind of. It's kind of c- cool time right now because it seems like we're coming out of the pandemic. And oh, there's no such people, thing at St. Michael. Are people coming back? And oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like we. There is something going on at St. Michael's like every evening of yeah. the week. Yeah. Right. There's, there's that this group going on or there was that group doing this. And there was just, there's just, it's a very vibrant and active parish. And especially that we have a lot of people moving the new communities that are coming up in Melissa, Anna, uh, Princeton, uh, all of those areas. Those are yeah. all our people. You know, yeah. and so they are coming. They wanted to. What's going on in the church? What can they do? You have people coming. Want to be in the youth group? Who want to be in the choir? Who want to be part of? Be lectors, extraordinary ministers, or join uh, 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 each any one of the various groups that are there. And so it keeps it keeps Father Jed and I on our toes, <laughs> right? Because like there is always something going on. There is always somebody to see, uh, and so. Uh, it's it's amazing. Yeah, you seem like a kind of priest that would be good with young people. Oh, you know, yeah. do, do you do you uh, do much with the youth uh, youth group? How active is it there, and what is your involvement? Well, we are just like kicking that off uh, over the last several months. With uh, so right now, we are just going from a 
point of faith formation, mm-hmm. of, of youth faith formation, yeah. right? We have our 4.30 uh, youth mass on Sundays, and that usually goes into the youth faith formation program that goes uh, through the evening. So that is just right now, we're just getting that off, starting, and our hope is the program, uh, youth faith formation program is eventually going to become our youth ministry program. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the kids are awesome. They are usually very willing to to serve, very willing to come do stuff. And in fact, some of them, I, I called, I said, I need some of them to come and be part of the Tridium to serve the mm-hmm. Tridium Masses. Oh, yeah. And they showed up and very enthusiastic Could about it. Could be another Tridium right, right around the corner. Right, coming right. up. Yeah. Uh, well, what do you find uh, the greatest needs in the church right now? What are, what are people desirous of? What do you think people need? Uh, catechesis or formation or, or what, 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 uh, what, what, what's... What's the biggest uh, issue in your ministry? Well, I mean, one of the things is people really want to be heard. Yeah. You know, they want to feel loved. And it's so, it's so surprising the number of people out there who have never been told that they have value. Yeah, yeah. You know, that they matter. You know, and, and so uh, being in that position of telling people that you matter, you know, uh, 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 you have value. Never think that you are less than. Yeah. You know, people need to hear that. You know, and, and, and so especially when we have a culture, a throwaway culture, right? A culture where everything is about what can I get out of it, mm-hmm. right? And so if I'm not, if I'm not being of use, then I can easily get discarded. You know, and so I tell people, I say, no. You know, you have value that you, as somebody that brings addition to society in whatever thing you do, wherever you are in life, you know, so that and information, you know, people want to know more about their faith. And I will try to encourage them. Father Jed and I try to encourage questions. Like at our parish, we started doing uh, the family faith formation program, you know, that if we want to get the faith to the kids, we need to get the families. Mm -hmm. And a lot of parents want to do it, but they don't know a lot of these things. So we form them together with the family and the children. So we all walk together. Yeah. What about the, the, the synod that started up? I mean, uh, I've done a lot. I did an interview with Bishop Burns when he first announced it, and they've got these listening sessions, and uh, there's a lot going on. You know, it's like a 10-year process. Mm-hmm. How, how is that incorporated into parish life? Or well, what, what, uh, you know, what, what's, what's happening at St. Michael in, 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 in relation to, the, to the, the, the local, the diocesan yeah. synod? No, we have a lot of our parishioners who go to the listening sessions, both yeah. at Holy Family and, and, and St. Michael's parishioners, you know, yeah. and, and they come and tell us about it, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, like uh, our, our business manager, Joe Walker, you know. Oh, he, I know Joe. So Joe's oh, yeah. like, I went there, I got to tell about the planning, you know, the priest, you know, we need to do better to make sure our priests are not overworked and all. So our parishioners are very excited and they go, especially the last one that was at St. Jude's, a bunch of our parishioners went, even our staff, <coughs> even yeah. our staff, Go to these sessions to, yeah. to, to listen. And I, and I told him, I said, it is easy to sit and say, Father Jed or Father Desmond is not doing this. The bishop is not doing that. Yeah. This is your opportunity to be part of the conversation. Yeah. So yeah. go to these sessions and get a chance to say what you think because this is our church. This is not the bishop's church. It is not the priest's church. It is our church. You know, the people too, the laity. Yeah. So you have to be part of the process and you have to go to the th- these things and let yourself be heard. 
Yeah, yeah. So as you were going through seminary, uh, anticipating ordination, and then finally, you know, June, what, 5th last year, it happens. Now you're 10 months into it. Any surprises? Uh, is, is, pre- <laughs> is priest life like kind, kind of what you thought it would be or, or totally different or... Or uh, yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, like so, I, I I was telling one of the one of my older priests. I said, I told him, I said, I don't understand how I am in control of my schedule, but yet I'm so busy. Yeah, <laughs> and he laughs. He says, Well, if you are doing the if you are doing your job right, you should be busy, even yeah. if you control your calendar. Yeah, right, you know? right, right. That's a good yeah. sign, right? Yeah. So yeah. you know, I mean, the surprises really is just how much people are in need. Yeah. People who yearn to get fed. Yeah. You know, I mean, the radio says, oh, there's church in, churches in decline or people don't want God anymore. That is not true. People thirst for meaning in their lives. Right. And I mean, you see people who come to confession who haven't been to confession in 40 years. Mm-hmm. And you ask them, well, why did you come? And you hear all sorts of reasons. You know, people thirst you know, people are hungry for meaning. Yeah. Right? Beyond the superficial things. And it's just so amazing the number of people out there who, are, who thirst. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. never saw that coming. Yeah. And the answer is Jesus Christ. Right. Yeah. You know, and you get uh, direct them to it. Yeah. You got to hold people's hands and walk with them because even I have to walk that journey with them. Yeah. And it's, you, you, you can't just stand there and say, okay, well, go down the straight, turn right, Jesus is there. No. <laughs> Not that easy. No. Right. You got to walk with them. And, and in the process of walking, I myself, as a priest, I realize things about myself yeah. that I didn't know. Or I realize things about myself that I didn't know I needed. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And one of these was this encounter I had. Um, my best friend recently died, uh, uh, Father Danny. Right, uh, of suicide. Oh, right. Is that uh, back at home? Or? In Baton Rouge. Oh, Baton Rouge. Wow. And, and shortly after I came back from that funeral, and I, I sat in my office, and this lady walks in and says, you know, I need to talk to a priest. And for so I was the only priest available. Yeah. You know, and so she came in and she sat down and started telling me about her loved one who had passed and by suicide. So I, I told her, I said, you know, I grabbed the picture of the Father Danny and said, here is my friend who also passed away. Yeah. And for the next 30 minutes, she, she and I talked. I, and I realized, oh, my goodness, I needed to talk to someone. Yeah. You know, because as she shared about her person, and I shared with her about my friend. And, and, and it was just this communication that I never would have had had I not gone through that experience. Mm-hmm. And she left. She says, you know, Father, I feel so much better. Now I realize I'm no longer, I'm not alone yeah, in my grief. Yeah, yeah. You know, and just those are little ways in which you make, make differences in the lives of people that we encounter every day. Yeah, you know, so. yeah. And a priest gets so many opportunities for that, more so. Because like you said, she came looking for a priest, yeah, because you have right. uh, so much to offer. How, uh, you spent your first 16 years of life in Cameroon, and now, you know, how, 14. 14 years here. So more more of your life was in Africa than it was here. By two years. <laughs> uh, how do you compare, you know, the the life in the church there and here? What What's different between Africa and, you know, Cameroon in particular and, and life in the United States, you know, as far as the faith and, and, and parish life? life <laughs> that's an interesting question um the faith life i think there is a very uh i'll say a corporate nature of the faith here corporate yeah yeah no uh where it's uh, uh, it's very utilitarian 
No, uh, people just see the church. For example, people have a funeral. They just see the church as a transaction. Mm-hmm. Right. Or look at the relationship to the church as a transaction. Right. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to family. Yeah. That the church is my family. Yeah. You know, the church is my community. You know, right. and, and I think with a lot of groups now in the church, we're trying to make people realize the church is not just, you don't just come to mass on Sunday and then go away. Mm-hmm. No, the church yeah. is your community. And so trying to reinforce that, get rid of that corporate nature, corporate yeah. thinking yeah, of right. the church as just a transa- having a transaction with right, the church right. as opposed to... Kind of like going to Walmart. Right. And you, you buy your goods, you and go you, home. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But and, and you may not know anybody at Walmart, but you're just doing, you're getting something done. Exactly. Right, okay. Whereas going, it's, it's, it's a family gathering it's every time you go. It's a family gathering. It's my community. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why some churches are doing such a great with things like coffee after mass. Yeah. You know, that gets people to, to hang out. Yeah. To talk to each other. Right. You know? Right. And, and so that's one of the things we're, we're about to start at St. Michael's is to have that thing, have that event that people gather after mass to say, you know, this is my community. Uh, and, you know, Father Jed, with the, under his leadership, we are trying to say, you know, even like funeral planning, you know, where you just get a call, hey, we have a fu- the funeral home calls you, hey, mm-hmm. we have a funeral, we'd like to do it at St. Michael at this day, okay, come on and no. Yeah. Now, we are requesting, let's come, let's meet the family yeah. before, yeah. you know, sit down with them and walk with them through the planning process. Yeah. You know, that's part of instilling the idea in people's minds of, the parish is your community. Yeah. It's your family. I think that's why it's good to have priests like you from other countries because you can bring what's good from that particular country and, and, and introduce it here. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the African uh, people in general are, are very, very family-based, right? Yes. And their community and yeah, your church are related. Yeah, and the church yeah. is not a transaction. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Uh, well, we are out of time. Diane just gave me the two-minute warning. Uh, anything else you'd like to... Uh, we didn't get to your confession story about... Uh, oh, my gosh. You're not going <laughs> yeah, to make me tell to, that yeah, story yeah. again. <laughs> uh, yeah, when you're a kid, you, know, you don't have much time. We've got about a minute left. Well, okay. so, you want to tell that story? I yeah, my first confession. And anybody who go, went to a school where you had nuns know that the nuns said, yeah. if it's time for first confession, everybody's going to first confession. You can't get out of it. <laughs> so I didn't know what I was going to say. I was about 10 years old. Yeah. So I just like oh, came up with something and I looked in the Bible and I chose something. So yeah. I went and I said, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. The pr- this is my first confession. The priest says, okay, what did you do? I said, well, Father, I committed adultery. <laughs> and the priest says, you did? I said, yes. He said, do you know what adultery is? I said, oh, the Bible says we'll soon do it. And I did. <laughs> so he says, all right, well, let me explain to you what adultery is. I said, okay. So he goes on to explain. By the time he was done explaining, I said, oh, Father, I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do that at all. You had to make something else up, huh? <laughs> Couldn't have said you stole a candy bar. I, I mean, know, right? Uh, yeah, so, that's funny. So that, every, that, 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 that's great, though. Now you're a priest, and you can tell that story. I'm sure you tell that every time, every year to the uh, first communion first class. Communion, yeah. 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 So don't, don't come up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't make something up, right? <laughs> well, well we, uh, we are out of time. Uh, Thank Father you, Desmond, Dave. Nadikum, you're, 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 you're so fun to talk to. Uh, Procure Vicar, St. Michael, the Archangel Parish in uh, McKinney. Uh, can you give us a quick blessing before we uh, close out here? Oh, Father Lord, we thank you for your presence. We ask you, Lord, to be our constant companion of the journey, protecting us and keeping us safe all the days of our lives. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Father, thank so, much so much for, uh, for visiting uh, the long drive from McKinney. And uh, I'm Dave Palmer, and thanks for listening. God bless you. Thank you.
Hi, everybody, and welcome to this uh, very special edition of the KTH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Glad you're with us. Hope you are having a delightful weekend. And uh, this interview of the week is where we get to talk to uh, local folks about topics of interest. If it's local and Catholic, it fits the bill. And uh, I am very, very certain this one is local and Catholic because we have one of our beloved uh, Catholic priests uh, from the Diocese of Dallas in studio, along with his director of faith formation. And uh, first of all, I want to thank Diane for running the board, and thank you for listening. Uh, Father Jason Cargo has been a priest for about 15 years, currently serves as the pastor of St. Joseph's Parish in Richardson, and uh, his director of faith formation is Emily Lugo. She is a, a longtime uh, uh, director of faith formation has worked at the parish for a lot, for gosh, um, 16 years, I think. And she also is married to Felipe, Felipe, uh, Philippe, and they have uh, five children ranging from three to 14. So needless to say, she is a busy, busy lady and father and, uh, Emily, uh, in addition to all the other, uh, ministry that they do at the parish, uh, have started a podcast a while back. They've got about 25 of these. It's called St. Joseph's Workshop, Building the Church at Home. And so we're going to talk about a whole lot of things, but uh, I want to encourage everybody to tune into that and check it out and uh, grow in their faith through that. So welcome to both of you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Oh, and man, yeah, it's awesome to be back here, Dave. And, you know, so exciting these days in the diocese to be able to... Uh, continue to reach out to people. You know, it's so great to be able to be a Catholic priest and to be part of the ministry of the church. Yeah, I love uh, I love when a priest is really joyful because, I mean, we all have reasons to complain and there's things that are going on, whether you're lay or religious, but uh, to see that smile on your face, uh, you just love being a priest, don't you? Oh, yes. And, and, you know, recently, you know, I was telling Emily and the rest of my staff yesterday, like, there's God showering us with all these graces and answered prayers and uh, sometimes miracles. And, you know, when we share those, it just lifts up the hearts, you yeah. know? So, you know, to me, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I think is sometimes we, we get into the drudgery of just the regular ordinary life and the activities, but we don't realize sometimes when we pray and intercede and when we are inspired to, to follow God's uh, way, that amazing things happens. Yeah. And Emily, welcome to you, and thanks for being here as well. You told me a little bit about yourself. I never like to learn too much because I want to, you know, kind of learn during the course of the interview, but uh, you grew up, you went to, to public schools growing up, ended up at St. Mary's in San Antonio, and really had a desire at some point in your life to get into ministry. Uh, you ever been able to kind of figure out what was it that, how did God call you into this kind of work? Yeah, so from a young age, I was interested in my faith. My mom worked at the church, and we were very involved going to CCD classes. And our family, I guess, would we experienced our own miracle. My uncle, when I was preparing for First Communion, back when I was very young, was in an accident. He was in a coma, and we really didn't think that he was going to survive. And my parents encouraged me to pray for him specifically, telling me, you know, you're preparing for your sacrament. You're very close to the Lord right now. And he listens to the prayers of children. So, yeah. you know, pray for him. And we did. And we had a miracle. He was healed. He woke up. And that just kind of set the course for me to know God more deeply yeah. and to integrate him into my life. And so I always just longed to to know him and to learn about our Catholic faith because I just didn't feel equipped enough, um, which is what led me to St. Mary's to get my degree in theology. And my 
career in ministry initially began as youth a youth minister before I dabbled in a few other ministries. Yeah, and you've worked at Mary Immaculate Parish in Farmer's Branch before St. Joseph's, and now you've been at St. Joseph's for a, a decade and a half or so. <laughs> uh, what, what does your role entail there at the Barrett? Director of Faith Formation, do you do uh, uh, RCIA and CCD and just kind of uh, kind of oversee all the programs? So um, the position that I have now is relatively new, just from actually the midst of COVID, we had a lot of change um, and revisioning of where we wanted to go as a parish. And so my position currently, I oversee the the different departments that we have in our church. So we have um, children's ministry, youth ministry, um, RCIA, adult family faith formation, and family life. And we have directors for each of those departments. So I'm kind of overseeing them, um, trying to make sure that we're working collaboratively together, looking at curriculum, um, just trying to make us, you know, look uh, more cohesive in what we're doing mm-hmm. as a parish community. And also, I guess because of COVID, we've had a lot of different initiatives to try to reach out to our families and also evangelization efforts to bring them back. And so yeah. I've been working on a lot of special projects with Father Jason um, during this time. Yeah. You know, one of the ways that I, you know, from our perspective in Catholic Radio, kind of gets a, get a sense of the vitality of a parish, and it's not always, you know, right, but is is when we get a lot of announcements, like, can you, can you you know, tell us, you know, everybody about this and thing. And lately, the last couple of years, we've been getting a lot from St. Joseph's and Richardson, which I think is a great sign. There's a lot going on over there, isn't it? So, oh. Father, do you want to brag about the parish a little bit and what's well, special about well, it? Well, certainly. But I, I first want to kind of brag a little bit about Emily because, you know, what she didn't tell you is that she began teaching when she was a child. So, I mean, she began her career uh, uh, teaching faith formation um, to s- children when she was uh, a very, how old were you when well, you like started? Second grade. Second grade. <laughs> oh, right. seven or eight years old huh? (laughs) exactly so um, she's been a lifelong uh, disciple maker and a lifelong uh, faithful uh, follower of Christ Jesus so it's it's been a a blessing and you know what I decided to do back in um, you know 2020 was divide the parish into five departments so we have the school department we have faith formation department business department communications department and then also uh, liturgy department and those five departments cover the entirety and so we gathered together as a, as a team to be able to strategize and think about how can we, uh, continue to build up the, the parish. And, and Emily, uh, in her experience, you know, when I first got to St. Joseph in 2016, I saw Emily as an extraordinary, uh, woman who I immediately thought, you know what? I'd like her to be my faith formation director. Mm-hmm. It just took a, another five years before the right time came about for her yeah. to say yes, uh, or four years. And so I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, yeah, what's happening at St. Joseph? Well, one of the things that we're certainly we have lots of different activities, different events and, and talks and presentations and things. Um, but one of the things that I'm most excited about, which Emily's helping me uh, spearhead is this reach more pro, uh, program or process. It's a, the reach more process is training people to be disciple makers. So, you know, we have about, I think currently about 35 or so people that are being trained to be disciple makers. It's a 20 week or so uh, training, and then they're sent out, um, and whatever ways that they can, uh, uh, make, help people become, uh, more strong in their faith, we encourage that. And we actually would rather them be outside of the church walls. So be at coffee shops and be at their homes and, and be at workplaces, one-on-one or, or small group Bible studies, but they have my full authority to go forth mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and present the good news. That's, 
of course, it's based off their own baptismal uh, authority as being baptized into the Church of of Jesus Christ and, and the Catholic Church, so that they can go forth and, and make disciples, just as Jesus asked the apostles to go forth and make disciples. So that's something. And how many have we uh, trained thus far? We have about 45 that are in training right now and another maybe 30 that we've trained? Yeah, maybe we've been doing it for about a year and a half. And so, I mean, we're... We're starting small, but we can definitely already see the fruit of that program. I think the big thing is it's a different mindset because normally when you train someone, it's because you want to utilize them within the parish, but we're really encouraging them to discern their own apostolate, how God's calling them to serve. So whether that's in the workplace or elsewhere, you know, we just want to be able to give them the ability to be able to go out on mission and Mm -hmm. share the good news. So it sounds like rather than saying, hey, get out there and ask everybody to come to St. Joseph's, you're like, no, we're going out to the the marketplace, so to speak. We're going out to you. And then, of course, some of them may may, uh, really feel the fire of the Holy Spirit and say, I want to get to a Catholic church and, uh, you know, let let, let God work in their life. You know, Dave, it's a both and, right? So we have to go out. We can't wait for people to come, especially as we are being catapulted into a a non-Christian culture. We, We have to go out and meet people where they are and begin to walk with them and then when they're ready invite them into the the life the the larger life of the church you know so and that's also uh just a segue you know one of the things during um i mentioned that we have five departments and one of them is our communication department became so clear to me that that a parish needs to have intentional and continual uh, communication to their people. And during the, the, the pandemic time, when people weren't uh, coming to hear like the verbal announcements at mass or whatever, or we needed to be very intentional about going to where they were, yeah, right? Or yeah. where they are. And so whether that was sending mailers or whether that high quality mailers to them about, or whether that was, um, our digital communication, videos, or even uh, what we're going to be talking about here shortly, our podcast, uh, that's all part of this whole uh, idea of going out, reaching out to uh, yeah. where people are to help them encounter Jesus Christ and, and become disciples. Doesn't sound like any grass is growing under y'all's feet. It's, uh, you're, you're, you're moving. So, yeah, let's let's talk about that. That's a great segue, like you say, into the St. Joseph's Workshop and uh, obviously uh, would certainly fall under uh, faith formation. Uh, tell us about the genesis of this. Uh, when did the idea pop into one or both of y'all's minds and uh, how did this come about? Yeah, so the very first email that I received about the consideration, you know, should we have a podcast was in April of 2020 when Father Jason reached out to me. And I don't necessarily love to hear my voice. And so I immediately said, ah, I'm not sure if that's such a great idea. Let's, you know, we were starting so many other platforms that we had never utilized before with Zoom and live streaming. And so, you know, I probably dawdled on it for a while until it became clear to me that we really needed to find ways to strengthen um, and equip the domestic church because, you know, even when people were able to start coming back to the parish um, for one reason or another vulnerability, um, many of them were still being church at home. And so um, I think a year later, April 2021, was when we had our very first episode. And um, that was right in the middle of the year of St. Joseph, which is the patron saint of mm-hmm. our parish. And so we prayed about it a lot and talked to our different faith formation department heads and really felt like, 
you know, St. Joseph's Workshop, when we came up with that name together, you know, we are all a work in progress. We come to the church building because we need help <laughs> to grow yeah, and change. Yeah. And, and we wanted this to be an extension of it. You know, people aren't physically coming to us. Let's go out to them and let's give them tools to help them strengthen who they are and become the people that God created them to be. Yeah. The tagline is building the church at home. And uh, as I mentioned before we started, it's so awesome because you all have such different, uh, you know, vocations, uh, a priest and then a, a mother and a, and a wife and, uh, you know, uh, very different uh, duties and responsibilities that, uh, in, in your personal life. Uh, what, what are the topics? What, uh, how do you all come up with them? What are some of the, the, the ones that you've done that you have thought that, you know, were really were you know, well received or you're really proud of? Oh, yes. Well, you know, the, so first, the, how do we come up with the topics? We just brainstorm and we start uh, thinking, okay, what, what are good topics that the need, the people need to hear uh, timely? Like, for instance, we just recently uh, did a topic on authentic masculinity, right? And so what does it mean to, to, to live out masculinity in this t- day and age. And it was actually, uh, we, we talked a little bit about uh, the crisis of the, the, the Russian war in Ukraine. And so, and examples of the different leaders and how they are, uh, uh, examples of masculinity in, in a positive or negative way, you know. So we, we talked about that. And, and then, of course, the extrapolations within our own, uh, culture here in America. And then, of course, how do we sup- may help our, our sons? The, our boys to become men, right? And mm-hmm. so how, how, what are the decisions that we can make at home to do that? So those were, that was one of our most recent ones, but we just kind of brainstorm a little bit and we go through a different, uh, a different, uh, ideas. And here's a couple, you know, we have a little list here of some different, uh, topics that we've had. Um, so anything from, uh, laughter and play. Mm-hmm. Uh, at home, uh, once again, a lot of this is not what what can be done in the parish. Now, a family comes to a parish for different things, but we're looking specifically how can we build a life of faith in the the home, yeah. right? Yeah. So, uh, so laughter and play, uh, clearing out spiritual clutter, uh, discerning vocations. Uh, being Catholic means being pro life. What the, does that mean? Like uh, one of the things that Emily does every year is she runs. Uh, uh, she does like a triathlon or something for uh, respect life and mm. support, and her whole family has joined her in that. So oh, wow. uh, a wonderful way. I have, I have, I'm impressed by her that she can do that. So um, I always have to say <laughs> something Triathlon for life, right? <laughs> Sign uh, me up. <laughs> so financial health, five keys to marital life, the love languages of children, living Lent at home, celebrating Easter, at home discipleship pathway. So, and many more others, you know, yeah. so it's a, the whole idea is just to think about how can we help people make intentional decisions on how they can order their home life so their faith can be increased. Yeah. And logistically, do y'all have a studio set up? Uh, yeah, I know you've got guests. You have like a, like what we have here is a, you know, full blown radio studio with a producer and all that. What, what's the it setup? It almost looks like this, right? <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> In our dreams. We, we have a, a dedicated space for the podcast studio um, where we have our mics and everything. Um, not as elegant as this, but we're, we're just starting out and hopefully we'll be able to expand and grow. And it's only audio. Do you, you don't have any of these little cameras. Uh, and we're not, we're not videotaping right now by the way but uh, do you have the option of video or is it just audio right now we we just are doing uh, audio although you know we can do a little bit of video so we actually have one planned coming up um on may 9th on monday evening may 9th we're actually going to do a, in front of a live audience oh right and oh, wow. and we're we're going to 
videotape that one. So that that could be the next step. I was actually talking to a videographer uh, for one of our parishioners, and and he was talking about, uh, oh man, it'd be so easy. You could get these little cameras just yeah. like you have here, and you know you don't even have to need something special. You can use a cell phone, and and he was all getting excited. He said we sounded like NPR or something together. So do you guys do them? Uh, try to do them once a month, or is it a, a set schedule, or or what's the frequency? So we record. We they are released every two weeks. So okay. we try to record ahead of time just to get the date out. And the one that we're going to do in front of a live audience is the help. My kid doesn't want to go to church. And, mm. you know, as Father Jason said, when we are brainstorming, a lot of the ideas that we have, um, I mean, I know a lot of the suggestions that I make are ones that maybe I struggle with on my own, or I know yeah. that people within my own, you know, small face sharing groups are dealing with. And so they're ones that I feel like we need to address. Um, but yeah, we just taped one uh, earlier or this last week about evangelization and invitation. And mm. we have a lot of really interesting ones coming up. Didn't your husband come on one uh, as a, as a guest? Was that masculinity or finances? No, or what was that yeah, Felipe, finances. Yeah, finances? Yeah, Felipe yeah. came on with finances. It's something that, you know, he's really passionate about and, you know, just the journey that we've taken. Um, so that was fun to have him and also very nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Are most of the guests parishioners or how do you, how do you select who's going to be on with you? You know, that's a great question. Uh, we kind of uh, think about how can, what, what is the person that's actually going to help us uh, grow that particular topic, right? Uh, right now, a lot of them are parishioners or they are uh, employees of our parish, right? Mm-hmm. So just because they're who we know around us, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so we've had uh, uh, probably about half the episodes have been guests. Yeah. Would yeah. you say about that, Emily? Yeah, it looks like um, we've had about 11 of our episodes. And, you know, we, we don't want people to get bored with just hearing the two of us. So we want to bring in new people. How could that ever new be boring? Ideas. Come on. <laughs> you guys are uh, very interesting. Uh, and so, uh, of course, the, I know this, you know, being in radio, a big challenge of something like this is to let people know that it's there and also to get them to, to tune in. The cool thing about podcasts is they don't have to you know, listen to it live. You can listen to it anytime. Have you been able to get some traction? Are you able to track how many people are listening to it? Do you get feedback and people after mass saying, I, I enjoyed the podcast, Father? Or? Exactly. So we do have some analytics there. Obviously, any kind of uh, podcasting we have that and um, you know I to me I'm very happy you know we're having about a hundred views per show yeah. which to me is fantastic you know I think about if I was to have a talk if Emily and I were doing a talk tag teaming for instance about a particular issue in the church we want to get a hundred people listening to that right yeah. oh yeah so certainly we'd love to have a thousand or a hundred thousand or you know million people. <laughs> but you know but to me, even the small number of a hundred, fantastic. That's a hundred people that are hearing something that can help them. And yeah, they're primarily our parishioners at this point, but we're focusing the podcast to be something that isn't just about St. Joseph's, uh, uh, in the parish. We actually particularly are choosing not to talk about, have any kind of announcements about yeah. parish activities. Hey, the fish or, fry. Is this Friday? Yeah, night? we're not yeah. doing anything like that. Um, we may mention it a little bit here and there because that's where we both uh, do ministry. But no, we're, we're looking at um, providing this as an avenue for wherever someone is to be able to grow in their faith at home. All right. So obviously people listening right now, uh, yeah, answer my next question. So I was, was going to ask, you know, people who aren't at St. Joseph and Richardson, would they, you know, find interest in this? It sounds like you're really trying to make it universal in that respect. Of course, nowadays people from the other countries, you could have people in, 
you know, who knows where China or, you know, Korea listening. And that's, that's the beauty of technology these days. All right. How do they find the podcast? What do they do? Emily? Yeah. So we are on both Spotify and then I think the Apple platform. So you could look, um, just type in St. Joseph's workshop and you'll be able to find us through one of those. Or you can also go to our parish website, which is josephcatholic.org and, on there, if you just scroll down, there's a link to our podcast, and it has all of the different ones there with the little intro explaining what it is. So that might be a little more user-friendly if people don't have a podcast app on their phone. And uh, you have a, a tagline also, a priest, a mother, and a whole bunch of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of self-explanatory, but uh, they, yeah, so it's, uh, the others are the, are the guests that you have on. Yes, huh? exactly. And one of the things i got to say, uh, Dave, too, is I like to... Uh, tell stories from time to time. And, you know, at the homily during Mass, I can't tell a lot of stories about my upbringing. So I take this uh, time as an opportunity to tell all the crazy, wacky stories that have happened in my life. Sometimes... Uh, my mom's probably like shuddering at some of the stories. <laughs> I know Emily's like sometimes you're really going there, but anyway, it's not like I'm revealing anything too bad. But anyway, um, but a lot of uh, grace-filled moments, a lot of the crazy things that I've done in my life, I will talk about that in these uh, podcasts as well. And I also uh, sometimes I'll I'll put Emily on the spot or our guests on the spot. Uh, like I think I remember uh, when Felipe was on, I said, "So Felipe." When, like, tell me, like, when did you know that Emily was your life's love? You know, so. <laughs> I hope he gave a great Thankfully answer. Thankfully, right? he did. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's why. And you know, you get to stand in front of a congregation uh, every weekend, and but this is very different, isn't it? Because you don't generally get a lot of reaction. You don't see if people are snoozing or smiling or cheering, or you know, it, it's just a whole different dynamic, isn't it? Uh, you talk into a microphone and. Uh, yeah, you just have to kind of communicate in a different way. I, I kind of summoned my inner Fred Rogers. <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, so I, you know, I, I saw that documentary on Fred Rogers and how he he talked about he would imagine like on the video camera that was a, a child's eyes, right? Yeah, and yeah. so like I, I think we both recognize that as we talk, there's the third person in the room, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're listening in our conversation; they're part of that conversation. But it's a lot of our interaction. Uh, em- Emily and I are sitting usually just like this. Uh, kind of, and we're having a little conversation. And then, of course, we have a a good script that we're going by as well. Yeah. You talked about, you know, your optimistic outlook of the opportunity that we have right now, even in challenging times. Emily, just have a few minutes remaining, but from your perspective as a mother of five children, a wife, what do you see, you know, as the biggest challenges in family life right now? Um, Honestly, I feel like the biggest challenge is time. You know, that was one of the blessings that I experienced in the midst of the the lockdown was that everything stopped and we were able to just be with one another. And there was a lot of reflection that was happening and just family time. And now that things are ramping back up to normal, um, it's really hard just to find time to be with your family and to have those conversations. Um, So I think that many families are in that same position where they really just need to make sure that they're taking time not only to be with one another, but also to be able to bring the Lord in into that space and into that time and just to help strengthen their family um, spiritually together. Yeah, got to be very deliberate about it, huh? Yes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we are out of time. Uh, Diane's telling me two minutes until we have to wrap everything up. So um, I want to thank uh, Emily Lugo. She is Director of Faith Formation at St. Joseph uh, Catholic Church in uh, Richardson. Of course, also Father Jason Cargo is the pastor and has been now since 2000. 
uh, uh, 16, you said, 16, right? 16, yes. Yeah, to 2016, and a, a priest for since 2007, so we really appreciate your ministry and all that you do uh, for so many years. Why? Well, I didn't realize going all the way back to second grade you were <laughs> doing this. You are meant for it. Uh, Father, would you mind uh, closing us with a blessing today? I would be delighted to. So we pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you so much for just the blessing of Guadalupe Radio Network and the blessing of Dave Palmer and the work that uh, Diane Xavier and all the the team here at at Guadalupe Radio Network does to make sure that we can hear the truth of the faith and hear you. And we thank you for the the good that you're continuing to do in our own uh, lives, especially at St. Joseph through our podcast, but also uh, through all the lives of our listeners. And we know you're constantly working, Father, and you're helping us to, to know you. I ask right now that whoever's listening to this, that they may profoundly understand that their dignity as your son and their daughter, that you love them so deeply and that that love is a life-changing experience that that can allow us to be people who live in freedom. And so I ask God's blessing to be upon each and every listener in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Well, thank you very much, Father, for being here. And Emily, uh, great to see you. And thanks for being here as well. And 